forever because he loves us that much. So that's the best picture of love ever is Jesus' love for us. Well, let's pray. Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus, thank you, thank you for loving us, for loving us so much, so much with a perfect love, with perfect love that forgives, that forgives all our sins, all our sins. In your name, in your name, we pray, we pray. Amen. So we're going to do the Father loves me, and the actions are: I'm going to clap my hands, so you clap, stomp your feet, count on a drum. You're going to pretend this is your drum. And swing from a tree. Whee! And then if you would like to hold hands with the people you came with, you're welcome to do that. I am so free because Father loves me. <laughs> and then he gives us bread, so make a little bread so we can be fed. We are his daughters and his sons. So the people up next to you, if you have that. And then I forgive you because he forgives me too. And I want his kingdom to come, come, come. Second verse, he gives us his word, so make a Bible, to keep us from evil, put up little horns. We are his daughters and sons. He's the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And I know his kingdom has come, come, come. <laughs> so feel free to stand if you'd like, because it's easier to stop if you can stand. But if you don't, don't want to stand, that's fine too. Um, here we go. Slide for it. This is the one. Oh, this is the one. This is the one. 
Oh, I see. I thought. Oh, okay, got it. Yeah, I thought they were. Okay, that makes sense. Amen. What I'd like to do today is divide this into three. You are children of God. Hmm. Let's do that together. You, you are, are children of God. Okay, so that's what I want you to think about. And the problem that we have is, is twofold. First off is that we, we tend to forget this. Hmm. Okay? Like we just say, I am so free because the Father loved me. And yet how often times do we not live free? A lot. Because we tend to think that we need to live by our performance rather than by the performance of Jesus. Hmm. We need to somehow earn something before God rather than living in what he has given us freely. Freely you have received, freely give. Okay? So it's hard to live free and to give free if we're not actually receiving his free gifts. We tend to forget. That's what happened to the disciples when Jesus did those miraculous things before them. That's what happened to the people of Israel as they... God would provide again and again and again, and they would forget. The other thing is we simply just don't believe it. Okay? We just struggle sometimes to believe that we could be children of God because, well, look at my life. Hmm. Look how, fall, how far I've fallen short of God's glory. Hmm. You know, when we say that, I don't think we have a really good understanding of sin. Because hmm. we look around and we say, well... I'm a horrible person, look what I've done, but all these other people in here, they must be really great, because they look so good on Sunday morning. <laughs> but have you ever asked somebody if they'd like it if you put all their thoughts on a screen? <laughs> Did you ever have them say yes after that? Uh-uh. Because, like this morning I was telling the Bible study group, when I drove down this morning, it's just from Cedar Park down here, I must have judged four or five people driving their cars in that short section, okay? Am I the perfect driver? No. Nope. Okay? And yet I'm just filled with judgment for other people because they're driving too fast and crazy or too slow and they got in my way or something else I didn't like about what they were doing. Wow. He made me tough. He did. And yet we all struggle isn't that something we can all agree to? We tend to judge people in our brain. Yep. You know what? I always have people say, well, you know, Christians are so judgmental. Can we just remove the word Christian and put people? <laughs> I haven't found people outside the church to be less judgmental than the people inside the church. Mm. We all judge. Mm. Okay? We all desperately need a Savior. Mm. We all desperately need to be reminded by Jesus and told by Jesus that my grace is sufficient to cover all of your sin. Jesus, as God, when he died in your place, as God, he could die for the sins of all people so that when he died, it was sufficient to take all of those sins that we would never think that disqualifies me from being good enough for Jesus and remove it all. So that I can confidently tell you that this is what scripture says about you. You are children of God because of what Jesus has done I'd like, I know you'd like me to say amen and be done, but I'm not done. Hmm. Let's talk about this some more. Okay? First, I want to read a little story to you. And this is from Brent Jensen in his book, Undefendable. It says, God's grace is amazing. We can ignore it. Let it stru- slide from our awareness. And yet, there it is. Hmm. 
Once I forgot my keys in the church building. Just as a group of us were getting ready to leave, losing stuff as a lifestyle for me, so I was kind of proud that I remembered I'd left them down the hall and up the stairs in the kitchen area. It was dimly lit, but as I was gracefully running down the hallway, I saw a post in the middle. I avoided it deftly and ran to the left side before athletically darting up the stairs, grabbing the keys, crisply pivoting, <laughs> bounding confidently back down the stairs, sprinting effortlessly down the hallway, and then smartly slamming my entire body into a plate glass wall. Oh, no. I shattered it with my face. Apparently, the other side of the post, the right side, had glass from ceiling to floor. <laughs> it was reinforced with wire mesh, so I didn't make it through. Mm. I just hit it full sprint and shook the entire building. In the emergency room, I remember thinking, you know, this is interesting. <laughs> I was 100% sure there was nothing there, but there was, in fact, something there. I know this because, among other observations, I note that I am bleeding profusely. Plus, my face hurts. I was completely convinced the hallway was clear. It's funny how reality didn't change to fit my interpretation of things. And by funny, of course, I mean only funny like 10 years later. Whether or not you currently feel that God is around doesn't alter reality. Whether or not you feel He loves you, or even that you are worthy of His love, doesn't change reality. Either. When we forget that God loves us doesn't change the fact that he does. When I don't believe that he could possibly love me doesn't change the fact that he does. When, when he can redeem people who are murderers, mm. who are prostitutes, mm. whatever the big sin that you think of in your life, he can redeem that too. His grace is sufficient for that, to bring mm. them into the body of Christ like he has for you and for me. When I forget that or don't believe it, doesn't mean it's not true. It's like not glass from ceiling to floor. I may not see it, but it's there. Romans chapter 6 says this for us. What shall I say then? Shall we go on sinning? Remember how 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 7 says, No one makes a practice of sinning? Okay? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. We are buried with Christ. And we are raised with Christ to newness of life. You. How many of you have been baptized? Let's do it easier. How many of you have not been baptized? If you're baptized, that's a God's gracious activity towards you. He took you in your sin. We're born sinful. He took you and removed your sin from you and said, I claim you. You are my child. Are children of God. Okay? You are children of God. You know, there are times when when we know that to be true, but we don't, we don't experience it to be true. You know how Psalm 34, I think verse 7, I don't know for sure, 
where it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see. We would like to experience that truth, to know that we really are that. And so I'd like for us to, to remember what it says in Paul's letter to the Ephesians. He prays this. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. To feel that, to experience that, to, to know that very truth. That's what we want, right? Now, I want to ask you, when you pray, because that's what Paul is praying for those other people. When you pray for others, do you ever pray for this? You were really quiet today. Did I say something wrong? Are you kidding? You can talk here. Do we do that? Do we pray? Because I know that you guys do a great job of praying for others to be healed. Hmm. Physically healing, you'll do that all day long. I know you do that. I know you pray for guidance. You told me those things as well. You'll pray for forgiveness. You'll pray for lots of different things. Do you pray that others and you yourself will experience God's love in awesome ways to know how loved we are? Do you pray that? Yes, no. For all those who said yes, good job, keep doing it. For all those who said no, then there might stop. How about we start? Yeah. How about today? Let's start praying for others to experience, because I wonder how many people are really loved and accepted by God. They are children of God, and yet, because of all the things they think about and do, they don't dwell on the fact that they're loved. And they don't experience the love. How many Christians do you know that live lives as though they're not loved, that live lives as though they're not expect, accepted, that live lives of futility, isolation, and pain. Hmm. You know anybody like that? Mm -hmm. Been there myself. Because whenever we choose to say, I know God can love you, but he couldn't possibly love me. Wow. That's quite a statement. Mm. Jesus is big enough to forgive the whole, the whole world of their sins, but not me. Mm. What makes me so special? Because <laughs> I know better. Like, you don't know better? Mm. Like, the almighty God dying for the sins of the whole world is not big enough? Sometimes we have to actually talk back to the voices in our head. Hmm. The voices that say, I'm nothing, I'm worthless, I'm lousy, I failed. Hmm. Can we just quickly go through this? As they said to me at the seminary, when you confess your sins, it's a load off of God's mind. Hmm. Because God, Jesus then takes it and casts it in the sea of forgetfulness, and he never remembers it again. You know what you and I do? We remember it. We remember it again. <laughs> and again. And again, yeah. and we build these great arguments to say, this is why I'm not that. <laughs> and 
And Jesus said, you know, that's true, because I say it's true. I get to say who you are. And by the way, all that sin, that's what I took with me to the cross. I died. It died there. Hmm. Could you please let go of it? Pretty please some sugar on it? Hmm. Please? I'd rather see you free and joyful as the forgiven people I've made you to be, hmm. rather than condemned by the past. Who in your life needs your grace and forgiveness? Who in your life needs to hear that message because they're not living that way right now? Anybody? Can you tell me? Hmm. You are God's children. And as I experienced that, what I want to do is I want to, Psalm 23, you all know that one, okay? If you don't know it, you know where to find it, okay? Lord's my shepherd. The three Ps that we see in there, God protects, God provides, and God pardons. He restores my soul. You receive communion today. When you receive communion today, you know what God does? He says, all those sins, I forgive them. I wipe them away. He pardons us. He restores our soul into a right relationship with him. I want you to hear a story from Corey Ten Boom about providing. He's listening. Corey told her audience about catching a cold while living in a concentration camp. Her sister, Betsy, who died in the concentration camp, told her to pray and ask God for help. Corey laughed. Betsy, however, prayed for God to give Corey a handkerchief, hmm. a simple, practical prayer. After she said, Amen. After she said that, a friend arrived and gave Corey a gift of a handkerchief. Hmm. How in the world did you know that I needed a handkerchief? Asked Corey. Her friend replied, There was a voice in my heart who said, Bring a handkerchief to Corey Ten Boom. Hmm. Corey continued, Can you understand what a handkerchief tells you in such a moment? That there is a Father in heaven who hears it when on a very small planet, the hmm. earth, someone of his children, we're very small on this small planet, prays for an impossibly small thing for a hanky, and hmm. that Father in heaven tells one of his other children, Give a handkerchief to Corey Ten Boom. That is the foolishness of God. Hmm. But the foolishness of God is the greatest wisdom, and I've learned so much by that handkerchief. Hmm. She experienced God's provision in a concentration camp to get a handkerchief. Hmm. What small things is God doing in our life to show us that he loves us in great, grand ways that we oftentimes miss because it's not big enough for us. Or it's not consistent enough. You know, if we could remember God's faithfulness and how he provides for us, and we could tell those stories to one another, I wonder how our faith would be enhanced. Hmm. You are, you experience it, children of God. As we think about that, what I'd like us to also think about is that we cause ourselves, we want to be pure as he is pure. When we know what our father is like, we want to be like him. And I always remember the little story I heard when I was at a peacemaker conference one time. A man there by the name of Ken Sandy. Hmm. And Ken Sandy said when his son was young, he would work with his son, and when his son would blow it, when he would sin, do something wrong, he would say, first off, he would say, this is who you are. This is who you are in Christ. Love. Precious, forgiven, all the different things. And then he would say, 
does what you're doing now fit with who you are? Hmm. Wouldn't it be great if when we talk to other people, we can actually remind them of who they are hmm. and then just say, does that fit with who you really are? Hmm. I wonder if that would be more convicting and better than us just yelling at them and telling them what they did wrong. <laughs> None of you ever do that, right? No, not us. Can I ride with you the rest of the day just to see? No, not us. <laughs> Children need help living out their identity. The story from a man at the university at Concordia. He shares this story. We had a huge opportunity to love a family in our neighborhood over the last two months. His son was severely bitten by the neighbor's dog on his leg, severely bitten. Through rich conversations, but by the way, this man's son plays soccer five to six days a week. Mm. So having his leg severely bitten is a big deal. Mm. Through rich conversations with this neighbor, we were able to share deeply about forgiveness while also addressing accountability. The story is long, but in short, this is a very secular family. We were able to extend forgiveness and help them consider forgiving their father who was involved. Hmm. Concepts of grace and forgiveness were new in many ways. The wife was not able to sleep for days hmm. and really troubled by all that occurred. For my wife and I and our son, we all had to ask for God's help to work in our hearts and keep love and forgiveness at the forefront. But we spent lots of time dealing hmm. with the physical pain, hmm. treating the wound, along with the related dilemmas of the situation. Hmm. Because he is. need to look to our Father, and for that Father, need to look to his Heavenly Father to have the grace and the strength and the wisdom to live this out. You know what it says in Luke 17, verse 3, if your brother sins against you, what do you do? Before you forgive him. Great. you beforehand? Well, when your brother sins against you, when a fellow Christian sins against you, you know what you do? You hate them, and you nope. isolate from them, and nope. you refuse to ever talk to them again. Nope. Isn't that what it says? No, 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 no. Yeah, that's kind of how we live, right? Yeah. We're like, they did that to me. I'm done with them. They're dead to me. Bye. Isn't that what we do? Unfortunately, sometimes. sometimes. Is that what scripture says? No. It says, if your brother sins against you, rebuke him. Nope. That's the part that we always forget, because you know why we forget that? It's hard. We don't want to do it. <laughs> And you ever want to rebuke someone for their sake? Because if I rebuke Kurt for my sake, it's like, Kurt, you're a dirtball, okay? You're this horrible person. Look how awful you are. I'm much nicer and better than you are. Look, I've got my life going perfectly. You're horrible. I wonder how many times we rebuke out of an attitude of, I'm better than you are. Get your life right or else I'm never talking to you again. Yeah, we do that. Does that not happen? Does that happen within sinners? Yes. Does it happen within your families? Yes. Yeah, all the time, right? Mine too. But you know what God calls us to? He says, I'm to love Kurt, so that when I rebuke him, I do it for his good. Can I share with you something that's not so good? Hmm. And I rebuke gently, not to put him in his place, but to love and help him so that he can actually own his stuff. Have you ever tried forgiving someone who didn't think they did anything wrong? <laughs> How did that go for you? Not very well. 
it doesn't go very well, does it? Because what do you, what do, what do you need? What do I need to forgive them for? I didn't do anything. Yep. But you see, if I don't forgive him right away, I forgive before God because God forgives me. So I live in that forgiveness, so that I can go and speak to him and rebuke, not to hurt him, not to put him in his place, but to love him. You see, part of that practicing. Of righteousness to be pure is to live a new life, to live this newness of life we have as children of God. And part of that's my relational stuff. I do within my marriage, I do all these other ways, where I start to do what I do for his good, not for mine. You see, our culture's got things really messed up. It says, I forgive other people for my sake. No, I don't. That's not what scripture says. Scripture says, I forgive them for their sake. Yes. And I rebuke for their sake. You know what? If I take medicine, Okay? There's like a side effect. Yep. The side effect is that I enjoy the mm. freedom I have when I forgive. Mm. But that's True. not the reason I do it. The reason I do it is right. because I care about that person. And if I don't care about that person, then I have a struggle with dying to myself, don't I? Mm. Anybody here have a problem with dying to self? Anybody besides the pastor? Every hand is down. Come on. Okay. Y'all are no, right. I struggle like crazy with this. Because I want to love him instead of loving me so much. Can you see how when I love me so much and I don't love him, can you see how that's practicing sin? Yes. And what it says here is that we don't keep on practicing sin. For them, for what's happening in John's day when he's writing this, is there's these Gnostics. And Gnostics have lots of problems. But one of the problems that Gnostics have are that they teach that the spirit is good, the flesh is evil. Mm. And if you want to learn about this, just read the first part of 1 John. It talks about the eyewitness. We have seen Jesus. We have held him. We have touched him. He's you physical. see, there's no room in Gnostic belief hmm. for a in-flesh person, in-flesh God. There's just no room for that. And that's the wrong way of thinking. And when you get Jesus wrong all the time, you continue on in sin. We know Jesus came in the flesh, eyewitness testimony. We know Jesus died on the cross, eyewitness testimony. We know Jesus rose from the dead. More than 500 people saw him at one time. Someone who was still alive when people could go check it out. That message has changed the lives of the disciples. We know what he's done. Mm. He set us free. He made us children of God. Mm. We might now live new and different lives for the sake of our neighbor, to honor our God in the strength that God gives us in his mercy. Hmm. By the way, if God loves his children, does he ever allow bad things to happen to us? Yes. Yeah. Sometimes you need bad things. Hebrews chapter 12 says this, and your hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. But what son is not disciplined by his father? Hmm. If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. And a little later it says, Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. Hmm. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Hmm. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained. I'd like to read one last thing to you. Hmm. We tend to forgive. It goes like this. The way 
way Jesus treats people often doesn't, by our, okay, by our standards, our ideas of right, it makes no sense how Jesus treats people. Mm. The way Jesus treats people just doesn't, by our reckoning, make sense. Mm. I mean, take this little guy. What does a properly religious leader do when seeing his so-called best friends for the first time after they disown him, betrayed him in his hour of need? Hmm. A. Do they show them the error of their ways by pronouncing harsh, deserved judgments upon them? B. Give them a stern talking to, but offer forgiveness if they prove themselves truly penitent? Hmm. Or C. Fry them up a hearty breakfast? Jesus chose C. Hmm. And the breakfast didn't come with a good scolding or an ironic, hey, nice job, fellas. Appreciate the way you handled that with such class. (laughs) Jesus wanted to be with them again. Hmm. God walked among us. Even though we completely messed everything up, he took on flesh, lowering himself to be with us, walked in our world. He let us mock, bruise, and beat him, and deliberately subject him to an utterly humiliating capital punishment on his way for all. He let us do that. He wanted to be with us that bad. And there he is, encountering his friends for the first time. And while they're coming back toward shore in their boat, God himself is making breakfast. Do you suspect you're unlovable? He loves you. Hmm. You wonder deep down if anyone could really truly know you and still want you. Hmm. He knows you better than you know you. Hmm. And he wants you. Hmm. You've given up on yourself? He hasn't given up on you. This doesn't feel good to us. It's the rightful conclusion we can draw from the cross itself. Hmm. He still loves us because he's the father. The one we've always wanted. Hmm. Amen. Amen. Amen.